And thank you so much, Aubrey and Abigail, for leading us in worship. And I want to welcome you all uh, this morning, uh, whether you're here in the room or you're viewing online uh, from your dorm or a classroom or or from home. Uh, We're really grateful um, and excited and acknowledge really truly that every day is a gift. Um, And so we trust that no one is here in this room or online by accident, but God has put you here and I believe has positioned us to receive um, a word from one of his uh, dear messengers this morning as we continue our series on the, on the kingdom of, of God and particularly as we're partnering with global and local engagement and uh, bringing about a global awareness. We're really excited to have David Pierce uh, with us this morning who is the founder of Steiger International. He's a proclamation evangelist, a dynamic speaker and visionary. David's story is, a, is that of a strong catalyst for action in the Christian community and for the work that God wants to do in the hearts of young people everywhere. And so what I want to do is invite us to pray uh, for him and for our own hearts uh, in this next moment. And then we're going to turn your attention to a screen uh, to hear a little bit more about the Steiger International Ministry and how we can be uh, playing a part of what God is doing in and through Steiger. So would you join me in prayer? Father, that lyric of the song that we just sang, of being wide awake, um, I I just get the sense, Lord, this morning that there are those that are sleeping, that you want to wake up, that you want to shine your light upon, that you want to push back darkness and deception and open up our hearts to be good and healthy soil to receive your word and that it would bring about salvation, not just about where we go to, where we go when we die, going to heaven, but salvation that you would save us, Father, from ourselves. You'd save us from guilt and condemnation and shame, that you would save us from um, defining our identity by the opinions of others, that you would save and rescue us this morning from any way that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and that you would awaken us to Jesus as our good shepherd, as the king of the kingdom of heaven, leading and guiding us as your kingdom citizens, as your beloved sons and daughters, and as your ambassadors. And I pray now, Father, for um, this time and these next moments, and for our dear brother David Pierce, that as he speaks to us, those in the room and those online, Father, that there would be a tangible sense of a collective encounter with your presence through the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill David now, encourage him that he would speak with all clarity and boldness and insight and truth and love and awaken us to partner with you and who you are and what you're doing. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So I'll turn your attention to the screen for the next few moments. In the 80s, God called me to Amsterdam. That's where I met my wife, Jody, and my two sons were born just on the edge of the red light district. And we really had a burden to reach the young people in Amsterdam who had a negative idea about God, which was pretty much everyone in the city. And so out of this burden, Jody and I and a a small group of us would go out into the forest at night outside of Amsterdam, and we'd have these all-night prayer meetings. And we'd say, God, help us. How are we gonna reach these young people who have been so hurt by this wrong idea that they have about you. So we started a a Bible study on this old boat behind the central train station. At the same time, I felt like I was supposed to start a band as a way of going 
to their clubs and communicating in their language who Jesus really is. And that's how the whole ministry started. So there's the need to raise up the next generation of radical, dynamic, creative missionaries who are boldly going and communicating the truth of Jesus outside the church. And, and so um, it was at that point that we started the Steiger Mission School and started to raise up new people and develop the structure to support this true worldwide mission organization, which is all focused on reaching what we call the global youth culture. And these are young people all over the world from the Middle East, Europe, South America, and here right in the U.S., who are influenced by this worldview that, that tells them that there is no God, that they are in control, that they get to decide what's right and wrong, and they're far away from God. The reality is the vast majority of young people, especially today, have more of an apathetic or cynical or even anti-Christian perspective. And so the way in which you engage them, the assumptions that they have about the world and about life is so different. And so, so we need to reflect that when we're engaging them. So Steiger, our whole purpose is to reach those people by going where they are, understanding how they see the world and communicating the message of Jesus, the message of the cross in a language that they can understand and also equipping the local church to do the same. It's really great to be here. It's a little different atmosphere than the last time I spoke. And uh, so for those of you that are here and really here, thanks for coming. And for those who are watching online, I hope that it encourages you. We have some of our uh, international team here. So if you want to meet them, you're going to have to come back to the chapel. And we have a table out there where we have some books that you can make a donation for if you want to. Uh, this one is Jesus in the Secular World. You know, as you know, things have changed here in the United States. One of the biggest uh, religious group is people who are non-religious. And so our whole heart is to reach this global youth culture, which now is really a, uh, really predominant here in, in the United States. And, um, and so if you want to know more about that, you should, should come and grab one of these books. Uh, we are also having an online art uh, seminar and so if you want to check that out, I don't know if I'm, if you could put that slide up, I'm out of, out of order, I think. But, uh, well, yeah, so I'll start with that. We're going to have a compact school at Grace Church in Eden Prairie. So if you if you're, uh, feel drawn to what I'm going to be talking about this morning, you should check that out. It's free. You can just come on November 5th to the 7th at Grace Church in Eden Prairie. And then we are having, uh, what's the next slide? Yes, we're having a revolutionary art online event, October 30th to November 1st. So you should go online. We're going to have some uh, Brian Head Welsh from Corn and some other uh, pretty in, uh, interesting people contributing to that. So if you want to check that out, we have about 400 people signed up already. And we are having, the last thing is uh, we have a podcast, uh, Provoke and Inspire podcast. And uh, we have a lot of, like we have Shane Claiborne on frequently. He's an activist in Philadelphia, and he actually takes uh, guns and melts them down and turns them into garden tools. And we've had uh, uh, Timothy Keller. Um, we had someone on our last podcast. It's a, it's a girl in Australia who is trying to make her city porn-free. And uh, because of that, she's been receiving death threats and all kinds of crazy stuff. So you should check out the Provoke and Inspire podcast. So I was uh, on tour with my band in Tirkadach, which is a, a city 
in Turkey, which has no church. And it was during the time when they had a state of emergency. And so we are going there without permission, and we are unloading our equipment in a city square, which is not something you can do during a state of emergency in Turkey. But we thought we had to do it, so we're unloading our equipment, and uh, we went to a main, a main square in the city. And what made it even crazier is that we did it right by, a poli- by these police station. And so we're unloading our equipment, and the police came up to me, and they said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, we're an international band, and we're going to do a concert here. And they said, you are? And I said, yes. And they said, well, can we get our picture taken with you? So these policemen are next to me and taking, you know, uh, our picture, and in the meantime, the band is setting up. And in our concert, it's not just music, but we show in a, in a modern way the death and resurrection of Jesus. We have all kinds of special effects that we use. Uh, we have a coffin that rises up on hydraulics to show the resurrection, and it looks like it explodes, and so it's not your normal concert. So again, you're not supposed to be able to do this in a state of, in Turkey during a state of emergency, and, and you're not supposed to be able to talk directly about Jesus in a Muslim town. But we did. We showed this demonstration of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then, after that, I started to preach. And I told them, Jesus is the only one. He's the only one who came back to life. Nobody else did. And because Jesus came back to life, it's possible for me to have a relationship with my Father again. You can know God because Jesus broke the power of sin and death. And because of that, we can know him. You're not supposed to be able to do that either. And then he said, if you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. Again, I was breaking all the rules. I'm in a Muslim town in Turkey, no church. If you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. And all of these people, including two policemen, were raising their hand and saying, I want to know Jesus. And they're signing up for the Turkish Bible correspondence course that we had. But then all of a sudden, an undercover policeman came. And he said, what are you doing? You can't do this. This is a Muslim town. you got to get permission. He's on the phone. He's really angry. Another guy gets up in front of the crowd and says, they can't be here. We are Muslims. And so he wanted to get the people to attack us. But they wouldn't do it because they liked us. So we started packing down quickly because of the guy, the undercover policeman. We get in our van, and, and then I get a call You need to get out of here because the police are looking for you. So we're driving in all these back streets, you know, until we could, so the police wouldn't catch us, until we got on the motorway back to Istanbul. Yes! This is how you should live your life. This is what you were put here to do. Jesus heard that John the Baptist was killed. And so he wanted to be alone. He knew that John was going to die. But he loved John and he wanted to be alone. But instead of being alone, there were thousands of people there. And so all day long, him and his followers are teaching the people. In fact, they were so busy, they couldn't eat. It was at the end of the day. And his followers went up to him and said, Hey, Jesus, you need to send these people away. You know, because they, to a nearby village where they can buy some food, it's been all day, no one's eaten anything. I think they said that because they were hungry. 
And they thought this is the only way that we can get rid of Jesus or get Jesus to get rid of the people. But Jesus, he said something really crazy. He goes, you feed them. But Jesus, come on, we only have five loaves and a couple of fish. Give them to me. So then they were probably thinking, I guess no one's going to eat, right? So they gave their five loaves and their two fish to Jesus. He starts to, starts to tear the food. The bread starts multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. Pretty soon, everyone was eating more than they, all that they wanted. It was a miracle. But his followers were so tired. You know, and, and Jesus said, well, listen. You go, in the, you go in the boat on the lake. Go to the other side of the lake. I will send the people away and meet you on the other side. So the disciples are out in the boat. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning. And there's a storm. And all of a sudden they looked. And there was a ghost walking to them on the water. And it said when they saw this ghost, they were terrified. In fact, it said they even screamed they were so afraid. Now, when I first read this, I thought, why are they so terrified? I mean, these were tough men. This wasn't the first time that they were out at night in a storm. This wasn't the first time that they were in crazy situation. Maybe this was the first time they saw a ghost. But why were they so terrified? Well, I think this is the reason. They were emotionally and physically and spiritually exhausted. And so when they saw this ghost, they were terrified. And I know how they felt. I was on tour with my band in Sao Paulo. My band's called No Longer Music, so I'm on tour with my band. And uh, someone from my band was out on the street. And they said, where are you going to be playing tomorrow? And, uh, he's t you know, the guy in my band said, oh, we're going to be playing at Madam Satan. And they said, where? Madam Satan. And he said, you don't want to go there. If you go there, they're going to kill you. So he came back to tell me this just before I was going to go to sleep. And I can remember I was really uptight when I heard this. And I was looking at my face in the mirror. I was flossing my teeth. And because I was so... So uptight about this, I, I did it so hard, I cut my lip. And so I thought, I need to relax. You know, I need to find, I need to do something to relax. Maybe if I take a shower, it'll help me to relax. So I got in the shower, and I turned on the water, and the next thing I knew, I was literally leaning against the wall of the shower, crying like a baby. And I'm going, God, I can't do this. This is too much for me. I was physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. I remember just laying on my bed and saying, God, help me. I can't do this. Then the ghost spoke. Don't be afraid, it's me, Jesus. What? I mean, come on, Jesus, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a storm. We see somebody walking on the water. 
Why are you telling us to not be afraid? I think what Jesus was saying was this. What did I just do? You were with thousands of people. You only had five loaves and two fish. And I took them and I multiplied them. And I fed all these people. Why are you, why do you think it's crazy that I walk on water? Don't you know who I am? Don't you, why do you still not believe in me? Peter wasn't convinced. He wasn't sure if that was a ghost or if it was Jesus. So he said to the ghost, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to get out of the boat and walk to you on the water. What Peter was saying to Jesus was this. Demonstrate your power in my life. I don't want to stay in the boat. Everybody stays, everybody stays in a boat. The boat's too conventional. The boat's too boring. I want to see your power in my life. And so Jesus looked at Peter and said, okay, Peter, get out of the boat. This was not the first time that we played at Madam Satan. The first time that we played there, the guy who organized for us to play refused to go in. Can you imagine? Someone organizes for you to play somewhere, and then they won't go in. He said to me, I don't know what you're into. I don't want to die. I'm not going in there. And I thought, well, i got to go in. My band's already setting everything up. So I go into this club, and the first thing I noticed is they had a book or a table where they're selling books on torture. They're selling a book by a guy named Alistair McCrawley who calls himself the Antichrist. They had a curtain you could go behind if you wanted to have sex. And we were playing in this dark cellar. And you, you could just feel the, the, the evil in this place. And like I told you before, in our band we show a modern day depiction of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we were doing that in this club. And so I'm representing Jesus. I'm killed. I'm put into this coffin to show how Jesus died. And when I was in the coffin, it was like all the demons started coming out of people. People were blaspheming and screaming and swearing. I can remember I was laying, laying there, and I was thinking to myself, this must be what hell is like. And when I came out of the coffin to show how Jesus rose from the dead, it was okay. You know, we had a few okay conversations with people. But to be honest with you, I was just happy to just get out of there. And so we were getting ready the next year to go back to, on tour in Brazil. And our tour organizer said, hey, I have... I have good news for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, Madam Satan wants you to come back. And I'm going, no. <laughs> come on, we don't have to test God. We were willing to go. You know, God wanted to see if we'd be willing to go all the way. 
You know, if we be willing to boldly talk about him in that kind of place, but we don't need to test God. So I told the tour promoter, no, we're not going to go back there. And he said, okay, I, I understand. And then got off, quit talking, and I went for a walk. And I started feeling a little bit like Peter. And I was talking to God, and I'm saying, God, are you, are you not strong enough? Are you not powerful enough to move in a club like that? I get up in churches, and I talk about how you are so powerful. Are you not strong enough to move in that stupid club? Think of the glory you will receive if you can move in a place like that. I don't want to hear about your power. I don't want to read about it. I want to see your power in my life. And I, as I was saying, I was crying out to Jesus and telling him these things. I felt like he spoke to me just like he spoke to Peter. And I felt like he said to me, David, get out of the boat. So we went back. And it was, the atmosphere felt even worse than the, than the time before. I won't tell you everything that was going on in the club because I don't want to defile you, but it was bad. And again, we're playing in this, this venue like I described before. Again, we did this modern-day depiction of the death of Jesus. Again, I'm put in a coffin like I was before. But this time, it was completely different. I was laying there, and all I could hear was people crying. All I could hear was weeping everywhere. People were talking to each other. There's a different spirit here. And it's love. And when I came out of the coffin to show how Jesus rose from the dead, the best way I can describe it to you is it felt like the Holy Spirit was raining down in the club. It was like rain, just, just washing, just falling everywhere. You could just feel it like it was just raining down. Everyone could feel it. I said to them, you know what I'm saying is, is true because you can feel God's power. And they, they said, yes, it's true. We can feel it. People rushed us for Bibles. We ran out of Bibles. The club owner came up to us with his girlfriend. And he held out his hand to me and his hand was shaking and I grabbed his hand. I said, God loves you. And he said, he does? I said, yes. And I was able to pray with the club owner for Madam Satan and his girlfriend. And Sandro Baggio, who's one of our leaders in Brazil, who has a church in Sao Paulo, who was there, he told me that he felt the Holy Spirit stronger in Madam Satan than he's felt him in any church. We need to get out of the boat. 
it's time, Northwestern, to get out of the boat. You see, when you're in the boat, it's a very human faith. You know, it's all based on me, my gifts, and my abilities. So it's very important that I discover these, that I, that I learn, you know, discover my gifts and abilities, because at the end of the day, it's up to me. And also, I have to look at my resources, because I have five loaves and I have two fish. So I have to leverage my five loaves and my two fish and come up with a strategic plan that's going to work. Because when you're in the boat, you have a human faith. But if you're willing to get out of the boat and walk on the water, the first thing you realize is that if God takes his hand off of me for a second, I'm dead. There is nothing I can do. I am not so naive to think that any of my gifts any of my abilities, any of my resources are going to make any difference whatsoever in a world that we live in today. There's no way that I have the ability or the, I can come up with some plan that's going to do anything. I only have five loaves and two fish. What am I supposed to do with that? I don't even have enough to take care of myself. I only have enough to take care of my family. But I also understand something else. And that I understand this. If I'm willing to give what I have, even though it's not enough, even though it's not impressive, if I'm willing to give what I have, and I'm willing to give it all to Jesus. He can take, he can take it. He can multiply it. And he can use my life to feed the multitudes. And that is what God wants to do in every single person at this university. He is not calling you to be a nice boat Jesus follower. We've got too many people in boats these days. Some people think, well, isn't it great that God calls some, you know, he, he calls some people to walk in the water, but that's, he's called me to be a boat Christian. No, it's not true. That's not his calling for your life. He's calling you to something extraordinary, something not human. Because to be a Jesus follower is to live a supernatural life. And that is the calling he has for every man, every woman, every staff person, every professor at this university. He is calling you to say yes to Jesus. He's calling you to have radical faith, impossible faith. Faith that is not human. Because that is what the world needs today. And it's time to take Jesus seriously. It's time to seek him in a new way, not in the old way. You will not see a change in your life if you keep seeking God the way you are now. It started for me when I was going to the University of Minnesota, and I would go on long prayer walks 
from Dinky Town to the IDS building and back, crying out to God. That's what it's going to require. But I promise you this, if you begin to do this, God will start to take away your dreams and give you his. You'll start to put a radicalness you didn't even know was possible. And he will send you, because Jesus said there's a great harvest and there are few workers. So Lord, here I am at Northwestern, this amazing university. And you've brought many people here because there's they, they want to follow you in a serious way. And then there's others that are here, and they're here because their parents sent them here. I don't know. There's different reasons. But I know this, that you want to call them and send them and use them. And I ask that you would ignite something in their heart today that will not disappear. And that they will hear vo- your voice, Jesus, and say, here am I, send me. Let it happen, Lord, because it has to, it needs to. Amen.